BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited for the episode today. It is with Laura Wasser, who is an incredible divorce attorney and boss. And actually, I was doing some research last night and I found out that Laura Dern's character in Marriage Story was inspired by Laura Wasser. So keep that in mind as you listen to today's episode, which I think is a really cool fact to know. Okay, so I'm going to get to some of your questions. We talked a little bit about friends, having one to three friends versus four plus. I think this definitely has to do with age. I think like our friends kind of thin out as we get older, like we don't need as many people. And so I think it's really normal to have like one to three close friends as you near your 30s. And I think that it's also normal to have different friends from different groups. Someone reached out and they said, how about multiple groups of friends? I have friend friends, work besties, mom friends, besties. I'm curious as to whether or not people form close relationships with multiple groups. I have a best friend in each group. Some of the people from different groups have met each other and some like each other and some get jealous. Yeah. I mean, I kind of relate to that. I have like, I would say as a group, I'm closest with my college friends now, but there's kind of one person from like my home friends group, one person from my college friends group, one person from like peripheral, you know, friends from college who weren't necessarily in like the group that I hung out with that I'm still really close with. So I think it's different for each person. I think what's most important is having a friend or two that you feel you can confide in. For me, that is most important. And I would say I have like two that I feel like I tell everything to. And I'm really grateful to have them and don't feel like I'm missing out that I can't tell, you know, four plus people everything that's going on in my life. So um, what to do if you can't stand your childhood friends? That's an interesting one. Um, I guess this is on the same subject. I would say nothing because, you know, hopefully you just hang out with them less and less and you gradually grow apart. You probably can't stand them because you don't have anything in common anymore. And maybe when you were kids, you know, you were friends because your parents were friends or because you went to the same school. But as time goes on, you know, you don't see eye to eye and that's okay. And I'm sure unless they're, you know, totally out of it, they probably feel the same way about you. So I would just wait for that to kind of disintegrate on its own. And if it doesn't, then you know, you can have a tough conversation and say like, Hey, listen, like I love you. And I always will. I don't think like we have 
a lot in common anymore. And I think that's okay. Maybe we can, you know, change the capacity of our friendship. I don't know. That's a conversation I wouldn't be able to have personally. Someone asked, should I go back to New York if my significant other is there? I'm currently in New Jersey with my family. I feel like this is a red flag to me if you have to ask a third party if you should go be with your significant other. Like, yes, 100% yes. I had only been dating my boyfriend for two months. We weren't even official. And when quarantine happened, we both were like, we don't want to be apart from each other. So I think if you have to question for a second whether you want to be with your significant other or your family, that's a red flag in my opinion as someone who's almost 30 because like, you know, your significant other should become your family eventually. So it's not a matter of like, oh, should I choose my significant other or my family? You choose your significant other at this point, you know, and your family will be there for you no matter what because they're your family. Someone said... I talked about being insecure in relationships in the last episode. Can I talk about being insecure when alone or single? Definitely. I mean, you know, it's funny because when I was alone slash single and dating, I was definitely insecure, but I at the time was like smoking weed and like I would do things to escape how I felt about myself. And so I never, I never really fully experienced the insecurity that I probably would have if I were just feeling all the feelings. Like there were tons of dates that did not go my way that I didn't hear from someone afterwards. And I kind of just like, you know, smoked a joint and moved on. But I think if I were doing that now, you know, not relying on substances, I would probably think like, oh no, like is something wrong with me? And luckily I would, you know, have therapy as a resource. And I would explain to my therapist, you know, this is how I'm feeling. This happened. Um, I think therapy is a really good way to get through insecurities. I think, you know, when I'm single, I use it as a time to make myself the best version of myself. So whether that's like eating healthier and working out more, whether it's, you know, taking a class or spending more time with my girlfriends or like doing more and being more available to my friends and, you know, volunteering, things like that maybe starting like a passion project. I feel like all of that contributes to the feeling of self-esteem and security is like doing things that you are proud of. Um, So if I were single, if I were alone right now, that's how I would be spending my time personally. Um, Watching significant other stories on purpose or not. This is an interesting one. We did a poll question like, you know, if you see your significant, your ex has just put up a story like, would you watch right away? Or like, would you, you know, wait to not look desp? I think like, obviously waiting is the ideal. It's funny, like even with exes that I dated 10 years ago now, I still feel awkward when I'm like one of the first people to watch their stories. I don't know what that is. It it definitely for me, it doesn't mean that I still have feelings for them. It just means like, I don't want them to think I have feelings for them. But I guess at the same time, I would say like, if I'm watching an ex's story right away and not caring, that just just goes to show or like emphasizes the fact that I'm over it. Like for me, because like, you know, I think strategically, if I really am into them and I don't want to show that to them, I'll probably wait a few hours or like, you know, watch their story like 16 hours later. Call her daddy, talk about dealing with a close friend or best friend slipping away due to a new relationship. 
So for anyone not familiar, we talked about a little bit on the um, Instagram, but there's this podcast called Her Daddy. It's with two women who host it and we're best friends, Alex and Sophia. Um, And they had a falling out over a contract and like legal stuff and finances. And, you know, one wanted thought that they deserved more and the other one was willing to sign a contract. And the two of them just kind of, you know, fell out as a result. One of them, Sophia had a boyfriend and the other one single. And I guess Sophia's boyfriend is in business. And so he advised, was helping advise them and like helped write up the contract and so on and so forth. And now a lot of people are thinking that this boyfriend is what kind of created a rift between the girls and ultimately broke them up as friends and as podcast partners. I don't know, you know, exactly what happened. I I did message a little bit with Sophia on Instagram, which I will talk about maybe down the line, but only with her permission. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that it's definitely true. You know, a new relationship can split close friends apart. I think that if you're with the right person and you really truly love your best friend, this won't happen. But let's say you're with the right person and you actually don't have the best feelings towards your friend and you just feel comfortable enough with your partner that you kind of open up about those feelings. That could be why a a relationship slips. It's not always the boyfriend or the girlfriend that brings you apart. Maybe it's them realizing that you have a toxic relationship as a result of being in a better one. I don't know, but I don't think the significant other can always be blamed. For me, I've never really been in the situation that a friend started dating someone and kind of slipped away. Actually, that's not true. I have a friend who I used to be very close with. And then she started dating her boyfriend who she's still dating now. And she just like dropped everything to be like attentive to him and kind of stopped making an effort with all of her friends. And there was nothing I could do about it. And there's still nothing I can do to this day. Our relationship has never been the same. But I I do worry about those friends because I'm like, you know, what if God forbid something happened with your relationship? That's all you have. And so it's so important to maintain your friendships outside of your relationship and just like work on cultivating those and not kind of giving up on them. But, you know, I hope everyone knows that. I feel like anyone who doesn't know that shouldn't be dating in the first place. Um, Like, don't put your partner over your friends. I think now is a really hard time because you have to put your significant other over your friends if you're like quarantined with them because you can't really see your friends. But in any other situation, like you'd still be hanging out with your friends. You'd still be going out with your friends. I mean, even now you can make a time to like FaceTime with your friends at least once a week. So... Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I I don't... Going back to the call her daddy situation, I don't know that that's necessarily what um, happened with Sophia. I know that there also can be jealousy when they're two very close friends and one of them gets into a relationship. I think there's really two sides to every story, but I will say it's so important to, you know, to keep trying to relate to one another and keep trying to make an effort with one another if you both care about the friendship. If not... Um, maybe one of you getting a partner can, you know, just illuminate the fact that maybe your friendship wasn't what you thought it was in the first place. Um, I hope that was helpful. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Laura and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Right now, it's beyond crucial to have a good morning routine, especially because we're all quarantined during coronavirus and we really need that extra 
boost of energy. And for me, I have been looking for something for a while that just really helps me with that. And I've been feeling so dehydrated. Like I swear to God, I wake up every morning with a migraine and I'm always like taking something for it. And I hate doing that. And I'm not focused because of it. Like my energy, it slumps throughout the day and I don't drink coffee. So I'm like, what can I do? And thank God I found Hydrant. If you haven't heard of Hydrant, it's their flavored electrolyte packets, which are also delicious and so refreshing. And you basically mix it directly into your water. So not your coffee, but your water. And it efficiently and effectively hydrates your body. Each rapid hydration mix has actually the four essential electrolytes that your body really needs, which is sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. So instead of having to take all these things individually, you just use one packet and the blend of electrolytes found in the mix, it helps your body hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. It's so incredible. The formula that they developed was backed by an Oxford scientist and it's been proven to be perfectly balanced and give you efficient hydration throughout the day. There's no synthetic colors, stevia, or any artificial sweeteners that you wouldn't want. It's vegan. And there's three different flavors of the variety pack. So you can choose which one you like. You can try them all at first. And you can even save more on it with a monthly subscription. So I want to give you 25% off your first order so you just go to drinkhydrant.com slash Acme, or you can enter promo code Acme at checkout. So drinkhydrant.com slash Acme or enter Acme for 25% off your first order. Promo code Acme and you will get 25% off your first order. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. And we are the hosts of A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, a weekly podcast all about discovery and enthusiasm. Well, that's how we describe it, but someone else described it even better, I think, as a unique mix of urgent discussions of non-urgent things and thoughtful conversations of important and otherwise ignored things. If you want to check it out and see what it's all about, check back every Monday where we drop new episodes. It's, I think you'll like it. It's a great Monday morning ritual. A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Laura Wasser. She's the founder of It's Over Easy and she is also a family divorce attorney and she's she's pretty cool. Hey, Laura. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So just to start with a little background, um, how old are you and where are you from? I'm from here in Los Angeles, uh, born and raised, and I am 51. I'm almost 52, but I'm 51 now. Well, you look amazing, by the way. You, you, Thank you. don't look a day over 30. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, also, before we get into all the questions, because a lot of people wrote in a ton of questions for you. And of course, I you know, want to ask you questions about your own podcast. Um, but we're a little bit into astrology here on the podcast. So I have to ask, when is your birthday? I'm May 23rd. So I am a Gemini. A Gemini. That's a Gemini, like Gemini bordering on schizophrenic. But yeah, definitely have a couple of different personalities going. And um, yeah, I mean, the, I think the good things about Gemini, I think really the kind of playfulness with the also serious side and all of that. I'm very, even though I'm kind of cussed because I think it starts on the 22nd, I'm very true to Gemini. Gemini's are the smartest sign in the Zodiac, in my opinion. <laughs> 
Are you one as well? <laughs> I'm actually, I'm a Libra, but we love Gemini's. Okay. Yeah. We got along really well. So I would love to talk about like, you know, during this time, I keep seeing these memes that are like, you know, the only people who are doing well right now are divorce attorneys and, you know, after the quarantine barbershops. Um, Do you feel like during this time in quarantine, your phone has been ringing off the hook? Yes, but my phone always rings off the hook. So I don't necessarily think that's a sign. And I've seen the memes too of the guy standing there rubbing his hands together. I think this is going to be a really interesting time in our culture and of the world, seeing how people kind of weather the storm. I've been asked a lot in interviews about, you know, China and how they had such a spike in their divorce rate after quarantine. I think Some of that's true. People that have been forced to be together for a long period of time, particularly in close quarters, may then, you know, reach out. But I also think, frankly, a lot of those people I did the follow-up research went back and got remarried. So it must be a little easier to get divorced in China than in certain places in the United States. It must not be such a long process. Um, I also think that this time can really get families and couples closer and work through things that maybe were going on before. I don't know that a quarantine is going to be the cause of a divorce, frankly. I think that's fair. But do you think that there's something about this time where you're kind of in each other's faces nonstop that brings up maybe those feelings? Absolutely. I mean, I've had people call me and say, oh my God, I never realized how annoying he is when he chews. And I'm like, well, you eat with him. I mean, you've been married to him, but not three meals a day or, you know, just, I think people not having their own space. We're lucky. I'm here in, you know, LA. I can, I have a relatively big house. I've got a backyard. We have a pool. I can go for a run in the morning. Being in an apartment building, being in smaller quarters, you know, younger kids can definitely take its toll. The majority of the calls and spikes that we've got, you know, as a family law attorneys and also on the website, it's over easy, have been people wondering about existing orders. If you already share custody with someone, how do we do that during quarantine? If you have uh, child or spousal support orders and you've either been furloughed or lost your job or you're a touring musician and your tour was canceled or you were supposed to go work on location in a movie and that got canceled, how do you pay your support? So it's already existing things that we've got a lot of questions about during these very uncertain times. Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about um, It's Over Easy and like, what is the evolution of dissolution. So the evolution of dissolution, I was practicing family law, which is basically a euphemism for divorce law for now 25 years. But I wrote a book in 2013 called It Doesn't Have to Be That Way about divorce and doing it kind of better. And then we created It's Over Easy because I really do believe, and I can say this as a child of divorce, I can say it as somebody who's been divorced, I can say it as somebody who has kids not married to their dads, but co-parenting with them, and somebody who's been practicing divorce law for 25 years, there has to be a better way of doing this. It is so antiquated. There is so much negativity that surrounds it. And I just don't believe that it has to be that way. I, I don't think it's a fun thing. I don't think when you're walking down the aisle, you're like, I can't wait till we get divorced. But I also think if you look at the statistics and the amount of people that get divorced, there has to be a better way of doing it that doesn't make things worse. That's the evolution of dissolution, finding a way to evolve this process and getting 
people, not only in the United States, because we have a lot of followers in Australia and in England and even in countries where English isn't the first language, that really do want to approach divorce differently because it's happening and how do we make it not as terrible of an experience for ourselves and for our kids? Yeah. Do you, I, I once heard someone say you should never marry someone unless you can divorce them. Yes. Do you agree with that? I do. And again, I've, I've said it. I've been called jaded for saying it. But the point of it is that I've had so many clients say like, I never, I don't even know this person. How, how, how is this? And I say, you got to get back to those first weeks when you were going out or when he was standing next to you in the delivery room holding your hand or when she was there for you when your mother died or whatever. There is something about this person, even if it was one night stand, you met him in a bar that you liked at some point. And so I think you also, as you're getting married, we do a lot of prenuptial agreement counseling. I speak to a lot of young people about having prenups. You got to get into that relationship knowing that if things went horribly, horribly wrong, this person would behave honorably. I mean, that's the best I can say. They don't have to be overly nice to you if you're breaking up, but they have to behave honorably. And so that's what I meant when I said that. And I'm guessing whoever said it first, because it certainly wasn't me, that's what they meant too. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode with Laura Wasser. She's awesome. And, you know, just because we've been having so many episodes with women recently, I want to give you another opportunity to support women. Majuri is an amazing jewelry company. And It's all about empowering you to get jewelry for yourself because like why wait on a man to do that? You can literally just go to Majuri.com and get yourself some jewelry because you deserve it. It's for your damn self. Um, You know, we might not be going anywhere right now, but we're still getting dressed up and jewelry makes you feel really good. I recently bought the horizontal engravable bar necklace and I engraved it with my nickname, Linny. And it's so cute. They've also got tons of 14 karat gold solid staples like light as air hoops, barely their chains, everyday diamonds. They also, they have like ring stacks. If you're into that, I love like a chunky ring situation just makes me feel good. And, you know, they're still delivering during this time. So take advantage of it. I'm offering you 10% off your first order. You just go to Majuri.com, M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash Acme. You'll get 10% off your first order. So M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash Acme. 10% off your first order. You can also get all the answers to your burning questions about jewelry. Like, how do I style this? Can I mix metals? What's my ring size? Mine is actually five for anyone wanting to get me a gift. That would be so sweet. But yeah, I'm obsessed. I also really love the bumblebee ring because I have a weird obsession with bumblebees. If you listen to our episode with the psychic, I feel like my grandma is reincarnated in a bumblebee. Anyway, um, I really think you should check it out. I think you'll love it. Majuri.com slash Acme, 10% off your first order. Your new podcast is called All's Fair. Is that because you believe that, you know, everything that goes down when you're going through a divorce is technically fair? I think it would be more appropriate to say nothing is fair. I think all's fair in love and war, which is the proverb that we base the name of the show on, is kind of an examination of how 
humans react to extreme emotional circumstances. And so since we wanted the show to be more than just divorce, really human relationships, human nature, how we react to getting together, dating, breaking up, making up, co-parenting and all that stuff, we called it all fair. But Many, many times growing up, my dad, who was a divorce attorney, and I still work with him, and other kind of wiser, older family law attorneys have said when they've heard clients say, well, that's not fair. Somebody says, well, life's not fair. Yeah. Nobody said this was going to be fair. It's not fair. It hurts and it sucks and it's not fair, but it can be equitable. We can work within the parameters of the law and get it done. That's for sure. Yeah. Wait, are your initials, do they spell law? You just see that on the Zoom. Yeah, I so rebelled against that for so many years. And then I think when I got into my early 40s, I just embraced it. And so now I actually have monograms on shit and everything saying law. Laura Allison Wasser. Yes. That is incredible. And I I've meant to ask this in the beginning, but what is your current relationship status at the moment? I just actually got out of a long relationship, seven years with a wonderful guy. Um, He's not the father of either of my kids, but um, it was a really great relationship and it just kind of came to an end. A lot of life changes for me happened in 2019-20, including losing my mom. And so I just think we probably needed a little bit of time apart, but I'm a monogamous, maybe not one for life, but certainly one at a time. And so, yeah, this has been an interesting quarantine for me too, because I'm kind of examining how I feel about being single again. Right. That's really interesting. I actually think I might have someone to set you up with, but we'll talk (laughs) about that off off air. Um, So we were so excited to have you on the podcast. So I asked our listeners if they had any questions for you and a, a lot came up. What is the craziest thing couples wouldn't part with and fought over? A lot of pet issues. Um, Up until very recently, pets were treated just like chattel, which is like, you know, a clock or whatever. Um, So it's, you're arguing over something that you love as much as some people love a child, but it's really just a piece of property. We actually changed that in California. I don't want to say we, I had nothing to do with it. and I'm not even sure I agree with it, but our governor changed Uh, the law about pets. And now you actually can make arguments that the pet is better served being with one spouse or the other. Big arguments about pets, big arguments about kind of like culpability stuff. In the Jewish religion to get, you know, just like an annulment in the Catholic religion, there's something called a get. And I once had one client whose wife really, really, or no, actually his family wanted him to get a get so that he could remarry within the Jewish religion. And the only way that his wife was willing to agree to the get was if he submitted to an STD test because she had gotten herpes and he said it wasn't from her, but she knew she hadn't been sleeping around. So that was an interesting exchange, (laughs) this religious thing for an STD test. Yeah. So this one is a great question. Someone asked, what are the biggest red flags that people miss that lead to a later divorce? And I wonder, just like piggybacking on that, are you familiar with the Gottesman Institute and like some of their initial, I think it's like if you like if you leave the room during a fight or like, you know, those kinds of things. Right. I I am familiar with them. I don't know what their things are. So I could only tell you like what I've heard over the years of people saying like, this should have been a red flag or I should have known, you know, for anybody, if there's certain behaviors that are happening early in the relationship that cause you the, you know, the hair on the back of your neck to stand up, you kind of have to like examine that. For me, 
if somebody hangs up on me, like when we're on the phone, that like to me is like, oh, I don't think that that's somebody I could go out. You know, and I, and I've had people say to me, I should have realized that you know when he was never, I could see paying at a restaurant that he wasn't a good tipper. That translated years later into being very, very tight with the first strings in terms of our family budget and that kind of stuff. You know, another one was family relationships. Red flag. He has a terrible relationship with his mother or his parents. Maybe he's not going to understand how close you are with yours. This is why I say to people, you really need to have some of the not super sexy discussions before you get married. Even if it's not the prenup legal, you know, how are we going to split up our money? Are you going to go back to work after having kids? Things that you necessarily couldn't enforce in a prenuptial agreement, but conversations, you know, my parents are older. They may need to come live with us. Are you cool with that? I'm not okay with them being in assisted living. Or I want to make sure that we're putting a certain amount of money every year for our retirement. Or this is how... I remember dating somebody. This is probably back in my 40s, dating somebody. And we were going away together for the first weekend. Okay, this is my 40s. So I've been a lawyer for a while. I already owned my, my home. And we end up going on a vacation to visit his friends in North Carolina. And he, we go to his friends and we're like sleeping on a futon, like in a frat house. I was like, no, 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 no. This is too old for this. Like, these are the kind of things you want to discuss. I just, you need to have those discussions and you live and you learn. And I'm certainly wasn't going to marry that guy. But the point is just that, yes, it is absolutely clear that sometimes not the most sexy or romantic things should be discussed in order that those red flags either get put away or stay up and you leave. I love that. But it's like, how do you have that discussion like before you're married? Like, how do you say like, by the way, in, you know, 20 years, I want my mom to live with us if if she's sick. Like, what if you don't feel comfortable saying that? Is that a red flag in itself? Yeah, it is. I'm not saying you need to bring that up on the first date. Right. Like, here's another one that like you really aren't comfortable with until you're either about to move in or get married. It's the money. Hey, do you have debt? Like if we're getting married, are we going to be putting our money into an account together to save for buying a house? Or, or do you have like a ton of debt? You know, do you have a gambling issue? These things will come up. And I think the communication about them is super key. Mm-hmm. How much does the average divorce cost? So when we were, you know, formulating and launching It's Over Easy in 2018, we did a lot of research. And the average divorce in the United States is $15,000. And again, that's like my firm, just the retainer is $25,000. So right. really it goes a lot of ends of the spectrum, but just to pay for the court fees and an attorney who's billing you by the hour, if you need an accountant to come in and do some forensic accounting. So $15,000 is the average divorce. Um, on its over easy, the entire divorce is $1,500. And actually right now we are, because of those economic circumstances, we are having a special that, that makes our, you know, Platinum divorce is only $950 because we realize that people are having a very, very difficult time and we want to try to make it a little bit easier. That's so helpful because I know people whose parents haven't gotten divorced because they can't afford to get divorced. Yeah. And they're miserable. It's very scary. I mean, look, paying the fees for the divorce is the tip of the iceberg. They may not be able to afford to move out of one home and move into two. They may not be able to afford to get, you know, have two families or family structures live on, you know, one paycheck. So we're just trying to make that top thing, that top tier a little bit easier for people. Is there any instance where you wouldn't recommend a prenup? 
Um, I would, there would be instances where I would say that you don't need it. I mean, in California, anything that you inherit uh, or bring into the marriage or is gifted to you, so the person doesn't have to die, but they, but it's a gift, is your separate property. So I see a lot of families where the kids are trust fund kids and the family's very concerned about protecting the money. And sometimes I'll say, just so you know, the way that our law in California is structured right now anyway, you don't need to worry so much about that person taking any of your family wealth because that's all going to go by inheritance. And so it's separate property, meaning your family member keeps it. They would still be on the hook for support. Let's say this is a trust funder and they're constantly flying on private planes and buying expensive things and they get divorced. There could still be a support component, but there would be times I would say maybe a prenuptial agreement isn't necessary. That being said, I still think two things are necessary before getting married. One is knowing what the law is where you live because everyone's like, oh, I would never want a contract to govern my marriage. Well, dude, a contract does govern your marriage because the contract that you're entering into with the state of California when you get married is a big one. And people 20 years into a relationship go, what do you mean I have to split my pension with her? I didn't realize that. Well, that was earned during the marriage. It's community property in California. The second one is... Like I said before, having conversations that may not be so sexy or comfortable as you're doing your dress fitting and your cake tasting and listening to the different bands or DJs, but really having some deep conversations about what each of you expects from the relationship. And look, it could change. Like I said, after you have kids, everything could change. But at least knowing where you are today and how you feel about certain things. Religion. I mean, I was married for five seconds in 1993 when I was 25. And we were both really young, but we were super in love and we had this amazing wedding. And we obviously knew that I'm Jewish and he was Roman Catholic. And we got married by a judge because neither one of us felt that tied to our religion in terms of our relationship. But it boggles my mind to this day that neither of us ever even discussed the idea of having kids or what religion they'd be. Right. Like a red flag. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you were also 25. So like... Yeah. You probably didn't know you had to discuss that, really. Exactly. Do people with prenups seem to get divorced more? Not at all, actually. I feel like prenups that I've done since I've been practicing, I've on very few occasions had the people come back. I think it's not a fun thing to do or negotiate. And I definitely don't think it's pre-negotiating your divorce. But what I do think it is, is really getting a clear understanding of what the law is, what it would entail if you did split up at some point, and also what your about-to-be spouse's feelings are about a lot of things. And you get to see them in a different light, which is an arm's-length negotiation, which maybe you didn't want to see, but you're going to have to see it at some point if you're getting married to them. That's a fact. Uh, What is the most common reason why people get divorced, if there is one? You know, I've been asked that a lot, and I think people expect to say, like, adultery or, you know, money problems or a house redecoration. Um, It really is a lack of communication. You can weather all of those storms and worse if you have a method and tools for communicating with each other effectively. And so I always say to people, you should be in therapy or counseling if you can when things are good. The same way we go to the gym, um, you should be strengthening your relationship and your communication skills with your significant other because things will eventually, at some point, you'll hit a rough spot. That's what happens in relationships. If you have those tools to communicate effectively, you can probably get through it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And I always tell our listeners, over-communicate and therapy when things are good. I completely agree with you. Like, Why would you wait until it's too late? 
you know? Right. Right. What's the average age of your clients? Well, my clients at the firm, I'd say the average age is probably in their 40s. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that's my clients. Like I said, a lot of entertainment industry, a lot of wealth. I think that the average age of the users on It's Over Easy is probably younger in their late 20s and early 30s. Yeah. Also, some of that has to do with the socioeconomics of it, I'm sure. A question for you just that came to mind for me was like, you know, you said you were married for for a second at 25. You haven't been married since then? No. Do you think that... My kids are from guys I wasn't married to and I'm still super close with both of them. Yeah. Do you think that your your job has anything to do with why you didn't want to marry after that? Maybe a little bit. I mean, again, you only have to live for a while to see what happens. For me, I don't love the idea that the state governs my personal affairs, finances, etc. I mean, like I said, I've got kids with two different guys and we've, we don't have a piece of paper between us. We all understand how it works with custody and support and payment and stuff like that. Now, not everyone can do that because they're not a, you know, expert in family law. But I feel like I had a gorgeous wedding. I was 25. I'll never look better than I did then. The pictures are beautiful. I just didn't need to do it again. The commitments that I've had to the relationships that I've had since then, and there haven't been many. There have been like my, the, son, the fathers of my two sons and the one we just discussed and maybe a couple more have been amazing and meaningful and committed. But a marriage component was not something that either of us felt necessary in any of those. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends are married. Uh, I'm 29. And a lot of my friends, you know, have already walked down the aisle. And I can't help but think that like, you know, I don't know what's better, right? The friends who just met their partner like a year and a half ago and got married or the friends who met in college or have been together for like seven or 10 years and then got married. If you had to choose just based off, you know, those two, do you think that there's one that's more likely to stay together or have you seen? I choose neither. I've been to weddings and sat there and gone, oh my God, these people just met. They don't even know each other. And they're still married to this day. And then I've gone to weddings where the people have been, you know, dating since college and I'm much older than you. And after however many years, and sometimes after kids, they decide for whatever reason to get married and it doesn't work. So you just never know. It really depends on the people. It depends on what the motivation for getting married is in the first place. And it depends on all the other factors in their lives as to how they work it out. I, I could not say. I mean, like I said, almost every time I see a couple getting divorced, I say to myself, I understand why these two people were married. I, I understand mm-hmm. why it didn't work too, but I really understand why they were together. Very few instances have I been like, I don't get this at all. Um, I see people who have grown apart, but I have no idea necessarily if it's going to work at the beginning. What's the nastiest exchange you've ever seen? Someone asked. <sighs> the nastiest exchange. I had a client a couple years ago. Child custody cases are the worst. And, I, and these days, most people realize that it's in their kid's best interest to have frequent and continuous contact with both parents. But I have seen some really ugly custody cases and they can be soul crushing. And I mean, I, I'm not sure what your listener means, but this is the exchange I'm thinking about, which is a client came in my office and he played for me a voicemail that he had gotten from his estranged wife and the mother of his kids. 
And she's just like, you fucking, she's going on on. You're a loser. You were never good in bed. You couldn't get it up. You never had enough money. Like she's bringing up things. I mean, really personal. And even I, you know, who didn't know about any of these things, I just, I, I had a pit in my stomach listening to it. And at the very end, she said, and really, just so you know, John, everybody hates you. And before she hung up the phone, you hear in the background, I don't hate you, daddy. The kid was there the whole time listening to this woman just berate the husband on voicemail and then felt the need to like, just get that in before she hung up the phone. And that was the nastiest exchange. Yeah. That is cold. Doesn't that just make you want to throw up? It was horrible. Seriously, I have the chills in in a bad way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever refused to work with a couple? And if so, why? Um, Yes, I've refused to work with a couple and I've refused to work with separate clients because my whole jam is really making sure that I'm a problem solver. And so I can figure out almost any situation and how to get, think outside of the box and make it work. And if a client or a couple is just not on that page, more particularly if it's one client, and I don't think I can help because it doesn't agree with my sense of what I do. If there's somebody that comes in and says, well, I'm the mom, so I should have the kids. Yes, but the kids really should have contact with their dad as well. Has he done anything? No, 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 no. But I just, I want them. I will often say, I think maybe we're not a good match. I want to help people. I don't want to make it worse for them. So I want to make sure that we're on the same page before we're working together. Hmm. Okay. So we usually do this fun rapid fire at the end of each episode. And we have these poll questions on our Instagram where we ask like, they're pretty much yes or no questions. Um, so I'm just going to see your take on a few of them. Your significant other doesn't know how to flirt back in person or in texting. They can be boring, but they're otherwise great. Would you end it? Yes. Yeah this might not apply to you, but if you read your horoscope and it says something negative about the day, does that affect your mood? Yes. (laughs) I'm really superstitious. Uh I know it's not very lawyer-like, but... (laughs) Whatever. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Speaking of laws. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, A recent ex's mom passed away when they were 16 and you know they're really torn up about it 15 years later. Should you reach out on Mother's Day or let it be? Yes. Reach out. Mm -hmm. Is it a red flag if your partner always takes their phone to the bathroom, even to shower? Oh, yes. I would at least inquire about that. Mm -hmm. Your significant other smokes more weed than you think is okay to do. Will they grow out of it or not? Oh, honey, my significant other is probably going to be someone that's over 45 at least. I doubt they're going to grow out of it. So no. But if they're younger, possibly. I had a lot of stoner friends in high school. They've grown out of it. Yeah. Okay. Those are the rapid fire for today. Well, they sent me these questions and a lot of them has to have to do with focal, which we haven't talked about that much. So can we talk about that a bit? Yes, of course. Like, I guess one of them was, how are you staying sane and healthy during these times? And that would probably be a good one. So I could just talk about this. Yeah, let's do it. How are you staying sane and healthy? I'm, well, I'm a runner. So I get up early in the morning before my kids and before all the people that feel that it's okay to run without masks go out. And so I run, I run in the flats of where I live and it's been great because I can do it almost every morning now because I don't have to get up and get the kids ready and take them to school. I can come back, wake them up, make them breakfast. And I've also 
been taking focal supplements, uh, focal day particularly, which has like this great combination. Focal is mostly in my mind, a CBD company, Mm -hmm. but the supplements have just a teeny bit of the CBD. Um, Focal day, I take two capsules in the morning and it's, it's before I go for my run and it's got like lion's mane and it's got vitamin B6 and it's like provides a certain amount of clarity and focus and gives me energy so that like literally the entire morning up and through the afternoon, I am just totally laser focused, but in a really good energetic, not like skitsy way. And it's been great. They also have vocal night and their CBD drops are amazing. I've never had a big problem sleeping, but at the beginning of this whole quarantine thing, I definitely had, you know, Mm. the uncertainty was causing anxiety. Me too. A couple of those slept through the night. It was really awesome. I love this company. I just love how their plant-based supplements particularly are work and they work for me. Love it. And do you have any tips for couples navigating relationships in quarantine right now? I think space and boundaries. I think they're important anyways in, in a relationship. But if you guys are in close quarters, like stake out a space that's your space that's going to be your workspace or if you read or whatever, and then have places that are more, if it's a family or, or just the two of you, more family-based. Because if you can go to your own space and you can have that space and have boundaries in terms of who comes in the space and what they leave in your space, that's really huge. And I think that could be, particularly if you've got two people in the home that are working, that could really be a lifesaver. Agreed. Laura, can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice that you really love or has helped you through the years? This too shall pass. Love it. I think it's really important. I mean, particularly if if people are going through a divorce, but I've found myself saying it a lot lately for this quarantine thing. I mean, it will, but also keep in mind, even the really awesome times, this too shall pass. So enjoy that. The other thing I would say is uh, this, I'm not flipping you off, but my ring says carpe diem, which is seize the day. But I think this too shall pass can really work for both sides of it. Just be in the present, be in the moment, enjoy the good and know that the good will come again. If you're, you know, sitting in the bad. Yeah. I love that. Where can everyone find you, follow you, um, find It's Over Easy? So uh, we have at It's Over Easy is our Insta and at Laura Wasser Official is my Insta personally. And Focal is another great one to be following, F-O-C-L. Also, It's Over Easy Online Divorce. If you are interested in divorce, if somebody you know is going through a divorce, It's Over Easy is a great resource. We've got great articles and we've also got great referrals for anything you can imagine if you're going through a breakup or after a breakup, because I think it's really important to have a community of people. So check us out. It's free until and unless you're actually getting divorced, at which point it's either 1500 or 950 if you're doing it now. But we really want to support, as you said, the evolution of dissolution and bring people information, which I think is very empowering. Love it. Thank you so much, Laura. 